Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 26 of The Word in Youth Ministry. I'm Kyle. I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio, and I'm here as always with my friends Linda and Matt. Linda, how are you doing today? Doing really well, Kyle. Well, we uh, we are The Word in Youth Ministry, and we're aiming to help equip and um, yeah, just talk about how to use the Bible in youth ministry. But as we start today, I, I told Linda I was going to start with her, and then we'll go to we'll go to Matt second. I want to think a little bit, just no more than the next ninety seconds, about snacks in student ministry. We know students like to eat, um, and we know that a student with a full stomach of snacks is more likely to listen to the lesson. Well, maybe not, depending if you give them sugar. But the question of the day is: if if you had a small group of students, let's just say six students, and you were going to give them a snack during the small group conversation. So this is not a full out meal. This is not catering. This is not Chick-fil-A. This is a snack. Linda, what are you going to give those students? Mm, um, it's, I mean, I feel like it would probably be some sort of cookies or something. I don't want it to be something that's too noisy though. You know, that's what, like, I don't want to go the chip route if we're yeah. trying to have good conversation. So some type of cookie? Yeah. I feel consider, like that's what they want. Do you consider a brownie a cookie? Mm, no. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think a cookie is a good answer. Generic cookie that you buy at a store or one that you have someone make? Uh, I mean, if they were homemade, that would actually be awesome. We had uh, someone in our church make us some molasses cookies a few weeks ago that the students really liked. Wow. They didn't know what molasses were, though. So, But they ate them? Yes, they did. Matt, San Antonio, Texas, six students in a small group. You give them a snack. What are you going to give them? Well, besides my normal go-to of nerd ropes, I um, no. This is going to be a cheating. This is going to be a cheating answer. Um, uh, s'mores, because that that means that that small group is happening outside around a campfire, which is the best place to do a small group. That is a great answer to the question. Have you ever done? A small group around a campfire with s'mores yes but very rarely it's it's just when we do retreats and stuff like that yeah that is a good setting i think for me i have every wednesday night that we have youth group the freshman boys are in my office and if i'm able to i go join the the leader who's in there with them and i have a mini fridge that has soda or as they say in northeast ohio and western pennsylvania pop here. Uh, and I, I, you know, some people say don't give them caffeine, but you know, a freshman boy, small group with some kids chugging Mountain Dew, others chugging, whatever else is in there. It's just, it makes for a unique 30 minutes and I haven't got any complaints from their parents at home yet. So (laughs) it's amazing how much like you see which families don't let your kids have soda pop or Coke. Mm -hmm. Um, like I had this one student and he's so great but he would leave, like he would always wear a hoodie in San Antonio, Texas, because he knew that there was going to be Dr. Pepper there. And he would leave with that hoodie, like that, you know, like like the front pouch, just full of Dr. Peppers, like Uh, five Dr. Peppers on his way out that he would try to hide from us. That is awesome. I, I think 
if anything, this conversation is good for our listeners, just to remind us that we are all in this together and that food is good. I know one of my kids was drinking an energy drink in my office during a small group and they left the can. Like I have this little recyclable container in my office that I rarely use, but all the kids put their cans in there and someone came in. They're like, did you just drink that energy drink? I'm like, no, some kid last night, but just thinking through, uh, you know, as we think about teaching the Bible to students here on episode 26, we're going to talk about a pretty weighty subject. We're talking about judging others, um, but just thinking that these conversations usually happen uh, maybe with one student, but usually with several students and usually um, around food in a, in a church building, around a campfire, in a van while driving home from an amusement park um, in the summer uh, when you have more time to spend with students. We just want to think about how we would teach the Bible. So today we're going to focus on Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6. Uh, this comes from the Sermon on the Mount, and we just want to remind our listeners that teaching the Bible looks different depending what setting we're in. We did previous episodes on teaching versus preaching versus small group discussions, but the goal of this episode is for Matt and Linda and I to think through how we would, um, how we would literally teach this and what questions we would want to ask ourselves before we teach it to students. So Linda, why don't you read our passage, Matthew 7, 1 to 6, and then Matt's going to jump in with a little overview on the Sermon of the Mount for us. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So this passage comes in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Many of us have heard of that phrase, the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus goes up on the mountain and uh, presents his ethic for living as a Christian community. Um, you could call this his magnum opus about what it means to be a Jesus follower. And there are a couple of things just to note about it. First is that Matthew, the author, is presenting Jesus as a type of new Moses. So this is why Jesus goes up to the mountain, similar to how Moses goes up on the mountain. And um, a lot of these laws or a lot of these ethics here that Jesus is teaching are quotations from the Old Testament that Jesus then deepens and applies to the heart of his Christian community. So not just external standards, but internal standards as well. And, and one thing also that we need to recognize about this is that when God constituted the nation of Israel, it wasn't just a religious institution, but also a nation state. And so a lot of the laws in Israel were not just laws about personal morality, but also about the way that a state should operate. And so, for instance, things like um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth are really, really helpful principles in legal courtrooms. And we still use that principle today, which is, you know, let's the, the punishment should fit the crime is basically that principle. That's really, really helpful. But as a, as a citizen, as a person and your own personal morality, you can't apply that principle to the way you treat others. That's a principle for the courtroom. And Jesus is saying, okay, that's not for the, that's not for you personally, for instance. And so this is a, this is an ethic about the way you live 
as a Jesus follower? Matt, I think that's helpful because when we think of the Sermon on the Mount, I know I'm looking here um, in my ESV student study Bible and starting in, in Matthew 5, where this starts, um, most Bibles that break down the sermon into different categories, there are just so many different titles. So looking here in mind, we see the Sermon on the Mount, then the Beatitudes, salt and light, Christ came to fulfill the law, then anger, lust, divorce, uh, like goes on and on and on. And I think it's helpful, especially when we think about teaching students this, to teach an overview of where this comes from, because context is so important. I know I was looking at this passage earlier today, and just um, digging in a little bit and thinking how when we think about context, part of what comes to mind when I look at this passage and, and think about it, is just the context where we have around, um, around the word hypocrites. So when we, when we get in there and it says in verse it says in verse four, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. And when I think about this, when I and what you're just teaching us, Matt, by talking about the sermon as a whole, is we need to look at context. One thing that comes to mind is how this isn't the first time that the word hypocrite comes up in the Sermon on the Mount. If we were to back up just a little bit, we see in verse six, I mean, in chapter six, verse two, talking about giving to the needy, it says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, or we see in chapter six, verse five, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Or we see yet again in chapter six, in verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And this is so important because usually when we teach the Sermon on the Mount, like we're talking about today, just six verses in chapter seven, those who originally would have heard this would hear it as a whole section. And so they'd hear hypocrite again and again and again. And where we get here in chapter seven, verse four, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. We see the command given first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It can be so helpful to teach students to look in the context. And one thing I love, and just to encourage the youth workers who are listening to this conversation we're having today, is I love when we can do a two-for-one deal like this, hit two birds with one stone. One, we're teaching the passage, but we're also training students how to read the Bible on their own is so crucial because not only are they learning about this, but hopefully, even if they're not realizing they're doing it, hopefully they're able to, to think about Bible study tactics that they can do on their own when they read the Bible. So Linda, as you think about uh, this passage, Matthew 7, 1 to 6, um, what would come to mind as you think about how you would teach this to students? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the reasons that we would pick a passage like this is because it is a passage that has often been misunderstood and misapplied. You think about just the first verse in there, judge not that you be not judged. And so many people have used that to say, hey, we're not allowed to ever make judgments about anything that's completely against the Christian faith, right? And you know, I think that it would, it would be easy to go into a lesson and start talking directly about that. But I just know there have been a few times I've gone into a lesson and assumed that students had heard verses used in ways that I've used them. 
And then they're a little bit lost because they're like, I don't understand. You're, you're addressing something I've never heard of. And so I actually would want to back up from that and ask students, hey, how, how have you heard these verses applied and used before? T- tell me about that. Um, and, and if they have never heard it used in the ways I've heard it misused, then I might also say to them, hey, if you've never heard this yet, I, I think you should know that you will hear it used this way one day and, and then start equipping them and um, how to understand it differently instead, right? So there's just things about my audience I would want to think about so I don't lose them. And I think one other piece that I would think through in my audience is not only students who are um, being hypocritical in their judgment of others, um, which a, a lot of us need to be called out in a lot of the time, but I'd also think through, we probably have a lot of students who have been hurt by the hypocrites and by others' judgmentalism. And I would want to address that too and say, hey, look, like here's Jesus saying like, hey, I, I'm not cool with that. Um, I see that. I see people misusing um, the Bible in that way. And that is not my heart. And I, uh, that is not who Jesus is either, you know, so I, I would think about ways to address um, that part of my audience as well. Yeah, I, I love that. I, um, because my tendency is to read this just personally and be like, well, let me, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying here. And so even just you naming the fact that what Jesus is saying is, hey, it is really not cool when people use the Bible as a as a bludgeoning tool. You know, I had a friend who said that every time uh, she went to a Christian school and every time she would get invited out to lunch, she would want to turn it down because she knew that someone was inviting her out just to tell her something else that she had done wrong. And uh, I just remember hearing that and being like, that is so sad. That is, that, that really, that's really sad. And uh, so, so in our efforts to, to help clarify what Jesus is saying here, as if Jesus needed our help, um, let's not, let's let the main thing be the main thing, right? Which is, hey, let's not beat each other over the head with the, with the scripture. Actually, let's apply the scripture to our own hearts first. But that's the thing about a hypocrite, as, as Kyle was saying, is a hypocrite is, all, it's only on the outside. So maybe you can, maybe your righteousness, you can look good on the outside, but it hasn't gone all the way down into your heart. Jesus is saying, Hey, you need to apply my words and what I'm asking you to do deep down into your heart. Because if you go there, you'll recognize that you don't have a lot of ground to stand on other than other than my righteousness. And what that does is it helps us look at this passage in perspective of our interactions with other people. You know, I look at uh, chapter seven, verse one, the very beginning, judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And this reminds us that when, when Jesus is giving these commands, he's giving them to us in community, how we're interacting with others. Because I was just looking here, just if we look a little further in the Sermon on the Mount, if we fast forward about six verses to Matthew 7, verse 12, says, uh, you know, what's known as the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So I just think sometimes when we're teaching students, at least for myself, I have to guard myself from just creating little Pharisees. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, that our goal is not to create Pharisees who know the law in their head, but actually aren't living it out with their life. 
because the worst or one of the worst things we could do is just fill the minds of our students with truth in, in a way where it's just an academic exercise. I know, uh, like you just said, Matt, I think it's helpful because um, I imagine many of the people who are listening to this podcast have students in their youth group who go to Christian school. I know I have a bunch. I know uh, Linda's church, um, there's a Christian school that meets in Linda's church. And what this can sometimes do, and we talked about this on, on the last episode that just came out, what this can sometimes do is it turns into an academic exercise where what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter seven and judging others is something that's, that's seriously hard to do, right? Because we've all been hurt at times, or we've all looked at something that someone else is doing and wanted to judge. But what Jesus is commanding is it, it reminds us that the creator, God, knows what's best for the creation people. And God knew that his people would be able to live more purely if they're following this way. And it just, like I mentioned, it, it reminds us the golden rule here in verse 12, that these, these rules are lived out in community. And it's just also interesting, Jesus's wording here in verse 12, um, for this is the law and the prophets. And this just reminds us how the whole Bible is tied together. For one of the arguments that's given against the Bible, and I've talked, I talked about this with my high school students on this past Sunday, is that these things were given to the Old Testament in the Old Testament a long time ago. But right here, Jesus is linking his teaching to the law and the prophets. And we're just reminded that the 66 books of the Bible are one unit, although they're broken down into two. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, you're also going to believe in the Old Testament. So this is just uh, a few thoughts as we continue thinking about how we would teach um, Matthew 7, 1 to 6 to our students. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to think a little bit more how we could teach this and how we can teach students to apply these verses to their lives. I often hear grandparents say how glad they are that they don't have to raise kids in today's world. While these comments might not be very encouraging to those of us who are parents or who are doing youth ministry with kids today, they do recognize the fact that there are lots of confusing and dangerous cultural realities that kids need to navigate if they are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In an effort to provide parents and youth workers with an easy-to-use tool designed to help kids find their way through the choices they face in today's world, I've written a new little book that can be used individually or in small groups, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. It's the shortest book I've ever written, but it's the one I believe will have the greatest impact in terms of discipling the emerging generations. If you want to teach your kids how to live in today's culture while following God's will and way, check out this new little book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can learn more and order copies at cpyu.org. Welcome back to the Word in Youth Ministry. We're talking about judging others from Matthew chapter 7. And I, I just a couple of things that stick out in this text as you're teaching it to students. I think verse 2 is helpful. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, a couple of things that stick out there is that Jesus isn't just talking about the... Um, the eschatological dimension, which is that don't stand, don't sit in God's seat of judgment because one day you're going to stand before God in his judgment. That's true. So that's one aspect of that. But the other aspect is it's a little bit, is it's proverbial. 
In other words, if you're the type of person who feels like you're being judged a lot by others, you are probably the type of person who actually judges others a lot. Judge not lest you be judged. And so one of the ways that we can connect our, with our students is saying, if you're often feeling judged, um, it's the person, <laughs> it's, it's be, probably because you're doing a lot of judging because this is a principle that works its way around in a circle. Um, it's because you're censorious, which is a big word that means judgmental, that you're feeling um, attacked. And so what does that say about us? That says that our identity is probably such that we are very, very, uh, we're on very shaky ground with who we are and we're not finding our identity in, in Christ Jesus because we know that Jesus is the one who has been judged in our place. That is, there is no judgment that can ever stand against us anymore because he's the one who has taken all the judgments against us on the cross. If you're holding on to that and that's your identity, you actually are gonna feel less and less judged by people. Um, and that's going to actually help you not judge others either. So that's how you break the cycle of judgmentalism in your life. Yeah, Matt, that's great. Um, and one of the things I wanted us to talk about, um, you know, is the idea that uh, the terminology of brothers comes up, right? So uh, verse three and following, it talks about why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Um, it, it's calling us to see each other as brothers, which is not that kind of looking down on and judging others kind of attitude. And it ties really well, actually, with a passage from Galatians. Um, so in Galatians chapter six, I'll just read this for us. Starting in verse one, Paul writes, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. So that's just the first five verses of Galatians 6. And it again brings us back to this idea that it's really easy for us to see sin in others and think that we are above that, that idea that we can think that we are something when in fact we are actually nothing, right? So both these passages call us to, to see our own sin before we would see the sin of others, to take the log out of our own eye before we would see the speck in another's eye. They also call us to look at that other person as our brother, because the, these passages are talking about how we interact with people in the body of Christ, not just in the world in general, right? And we will look at them as, as our brother and we would try to gently correct and restore them and that's so different than an attitude of oh i see the sin in your life and i i got you i caught you in it and i'm gonna make you feel bad about it um restoring uh is is so different than that right there's a different kind of heart behind it um and that is what leads us to actually be gentle in how we do it and care caring well for each other is is what these passages are calling us to do caring well for each other when we see each other's sin um and so i i just think that that galatians passage to me was helpful in helping me think through a little bit um of of what jesus was uh, talking about even in the sermon on the mount 
Linda, thank you for pointing that out. The word that come, came to mind as you were saying that is what is the motive behind our actions? And when we think about judging and we think about, you know, judging in the world today and judging within the church and think about uh, students, uh, I recently just had the classic example, a family left the church and uh, someone called the family to see why they left. And, and it was just a classic youth group example. You know, the youth group was too clicky. And so our daughter didn't feel like she was she was supposed to be here. So she went somewhere else. And just thinking about um, whether that is a, a valid excuse or not, you know, students feel judged. And so and a lot of I know my students here like judge each other. And so if we can teach the words of Jesus to students and give them practical examples of what this looks like, we're not only talking about what they do, but the motive behind what they do. And I was just thinking about um, the, the notes here in the, in the student study Bible um, says about these verses, however, only the person who feels grieved and humbled over his own sin is able to help remove the speck from others. What Jesus rules out is pride that views oneself as better than others. And thinking through how you just pointed us, Linda, to Galatians, which is Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And, and you know, if we could do anything, I'd love to have Jesus and Paul standing up and like, you know, have a panel where you can like rapid fire hard questions to them. It would be fun to see them interact over this idea because it would give us a fuller understanding of this. And I just think when we think about students, because they're growing up in the culture that they are, we want to be able to teach them about this and let them apply it right away. Um, Matt, I, I was wondering, thinking specifically about this passage, but also just uh, teaching this type of literature to students, um, would you have any just general encouragement for our listeners um, about maybe either ways to teach this or, or landmines to avoid as you're teaching something like this to students? Yeah, good, good, good question. I think that we, we do need to recognize that the language is hyperbolic. You know, Jesus often will say things that are very catchy, and he's driving home a point. But if we apply his language in a very wooden or literal, literalistic way, then it, that we're actually going to miss the point. So thinks, you know, when Jesus says things like, um, you know, you can't be my disciple unless you hate your father and mother and brother. But then he talks about love everywhere. And you're like, wait, I don't understand how, what he means. What he's trying to drive at, and, you know, for instance, there is he's trying to drive at the just, it's so important to love Jesus first that everything else feels like you're hating, uh, you know, the, the other people in your life. And in this way, too, when he's, when he opens up with judge not, lest you be judged, um, that's a very strong way of opening in order to get our attention and to really get us thinking about the way that we handle our relationships with others. And I think we've, we've done a good job of, of in fleshing that out a little bit, that it doesn't mean that we should never uh, practice discernment. In fact, that would be kind of silly. Jesus in this passage says, take the log out of your own eye so that you can take the speck out of your brothers. That is, like Linda was saying, that we should be able to um, to help our brother and our sister to in their growth and faith. And I also think it's important to note that the New Testament is full of judgment. There are a lot of times that Jesus talks about the hell of fire and, and he talks about being judged by God. And it's just something that we all as humans, uh, not just Christians, but as humans need to recognize that the New Testament is full of the judge, judgment, the justice of God. 
uh, in fact, I would even say that there's more judgment in the New Testament than there is in the in the Old Testament. And uh, but what that means is, is we actually see that judgment very clearly poured out on Jesus on the cross. And um, and so the the real question is, is am I finding um, am I finding rest, refuge in the fact that Jesus was judged for me? Uh, and if you're doing that, you're going to actually learn how to be a person of grace and not of and not of judgmentalism. Thanks for sharing that, Matt, because we always want to be, uh, as we're teaching our students, we want to be pointing them to Jesus and these words of Jesus. Obviously, he said these these words um, in Matthew 7. This is before he died on the cross, but it's reminding us of our need of a savior and ultimately our our sinful judgment of others is pointing us to our not only our need, but the fact that Jesus went to the cross um, to save us from our sins. So as we think about teaching this, I, I hope that you're encouraged. We would love to hear from you, maybe how you have taught this passage to others or other passages in the Bible um, that you would like us to discuss so that we can think through how we would teach them to students. Uh, you can send us an email at the word in YM at cpyu.org. That's the word in YM at cpyu.org. And again, we just ask that you like, share, and subscribe um, on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening with. Um, This has been a fun conversation on Matthew 7, 1 to 6 on judging others. And we just uh, hope that you're encouraged as we all continue to grow and um, by God's grace progress in how we teach the Bible to students. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.